You're listening to Real Investor Radio with Craig Fuhr and Jack Bevere, where we cover advanced real estate investing topics to help you stay ahead of the curve in your real estate investing business. Hey, welcome everybody to Real Investor Radio. I'm Craig Fuhr. As you can see, we are fully remote this week, really testing the limits of what this thing can do. <laughs> We've got uh, Jack Bevere here with us today. Jack, good to see you. Absolutely. Thanks, Craig. Fred Lewis joining us again. Great to see you guys. Hey, listen, I've uh, got a lot to talk about this week. Going to go around the horn on um, some news on mortgage rates, uh, what we're seeing in the market. And really what I wanted to break it down for this week, uh, for the listeners this week, guys, is what are you seeing right now in terms of the market? You know, what's what's working, what's not what are you concerned about? Sort of, uh, Jack, you said uh, mentioned a great thing right before the show today. It was, uh, you know, we, we feel like we're sort of at this operational crossroad where shops are sort of, you know, uh, in between that uh, in the in the decision tree of do I get rid of some of uh, my staff, these people that uh, are all uh, that that are helping me with acquisitions and dispositions and marketing and all those things, or do I do I keep it, sort of ride this thing out? Um, let's just let's let's just jump in there if you would so yeah what are you yeah. guys seeing yeah so like last you know it's probably a year ago now that interest rates really started to tick up and uh and that's the point when you know the phone stopped ringing right the seller the, and there was a disconnect between what buyers were willing to buy at and what sellers were willing what, what sellers expected for their properties and so I think a lot of operators notice this. It's been just about a, a year now since they since they've noted they they noticed that change operationally, and but there's been a wide spectrum of kind of reactions among operators to what they did as a result of that, and some folks, you know, cut cut bait and and let some folks go, downsized immediately, said, hey, I'm going to hunker down. Um, whether they thought that was the right strategic decision or their margins were t too thin and they really just couldn't ride it out. Um, some folks got out, you know, kind of right-sized early to lower transaction volumes. Other folks are, everyone else is kind of like along the spectrum of thinking that, hey, there's, you know, there's another side to this and I don't want to dismantle the platform that I've built. Uh, and so even though we're not making as much money or losing some money, we're going to hold on and keep the team together uh, to uh, to get to the other side uh, when transaction volumes are going to pick back up. And everybody who cut bait early is going to is going to wish they hadn't. And, you know, and we're going to get outsized margins because we're going to be the only guy left standing. Right. So there's um, there's kind of been a spectrum between those two attitudes. And now but it's a year now. Right. That we've been that, 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 that the folks who held on have been hanging on. And with those lower transaction volumes, higher operating costs means that their businesses have not been as profitable or have even lost money over that period of time. And, sure. uh, and as a result, that means that cash flow gets tighter and tighter each month. They can, you know, the, the, cat, the, the, the money that people made in 2020 and 2021, early 2022, it's sitting in the bank account, but you're spending it, right? And we've been spending it for the past year. And that's a long time to hold on. You know, your arms get tired after a while. And uh, at some point, you get yourself to a point where you've got a uh, where you will you will you will where cash flow will force your hand, right? And you won't have a choice but to right size the shop or 
pivot and go do something else. And kind of here we are, you know, at the anniversary, roughly of that first opportunity to make that decision. And, and we're still talking about this maybe recession that's going to happen later in the year. There's still a big debate about where mortgage interest rates are going to go. Real estate investors still really don't have clarity as to where the market's going six months from now. And so that makes it very difficult uh, to continue to hold on with that lack of clarity and a dwindling bank account, frankly. Back with the, you know, sort of the increased competition over the years and, uh, you know, just seeing a lot less inventory uh, to, ta to take a shot at out there. What kind of compression have you seen in, in sort of wholesale fees and some of the deals that you're doing? Uh, I, I feel like you're just kind of hitting singles, not nothing really, not, not really hitting any balls over the, over the fence these days. Yeah, sure. So I would say, you know, third quarter, fourth quarter last year were the worst from a, from a metrics point of view, the, you know, the key performance indicators, the KPIs that we monitor for uh, what it costs us to buy a house, you know, the cost of acquisition. Um, they were good in 2022, in the first half of 2022. Uh, and then they really, um, you know, by good, I mean low, right? Like we were in the kind of the three to $5,000 per deal range. By the end of the year, the yearly Gosh. average was above $10,000, which means the, the third and fourth quarters were probably in the 15 grand range, which is not sustainable, right? Like we're making 15 grand wholesale fees and spending 15 grand to do it and then making payroll on top of that. It just doesn't work, right? So uh, I would say the worst of it was third and fourth quarter of last year. First quarter got material, got mar or got uh, noticeably better. Um, and then, but it's been it's been really tracking very closely with mortgage rates. As we've seen a downtick in mortgage rates, we've seen an uptick in activity, uh, and the and so kind of the right now we're seeing we're hitting singles, but a double and a triple is super hard to come by. Uh, transaction volumes are still very low. I would say our cost of acquisition has come down to a reasonable, I would say a sustainable level, but maybe in like the seven grand range, but not not an exciting level. Um, and so I've been one of the things that we've been then as a result, very focused on is where mortgage rates are going to go. Uh, because if it's the case, and we're seeing this in a lot, I see I monitor a lot of the uh, the uh, the mortgage industry um, publications, and there is a definitely a school of thought that mortgage interest rates are going to start to come down slowly uh, here in the, the third and fourth quarter. And that will lead to an, a, a significant uptick in, in home buyer interest, which is good for flippers. It's good for wholesale activity. Um, but then there's another camp, uh, you know, in the finance rags that uh, might suggest that we're going to be higher for longer. And, uh, and there's an, a, a bunch of things that are happening outside of the housing industry that are going to keep long-term interest rates up or even push long-term interest rates higher. Um, which may suggest that, you know, push the 10 year higher, which would suggest that mortgage interest rates are going to stay at these levels and could even climb. And I think that that would be a very, and that's a real possibility, very smart. You know, there, I don't know which way it's going to go, but I think there's some, there's very smart people on both sides of that debate. If that's the case though, it's got significant operational implications and suggests that folks should, uh, um, so start to prepare for that, that there's not, you know, the, we're not going to get to the end of the rainbow here anytime, 
you know, in the next, you know, three to six months. And when you're looking at the pattern of what you're, what's going on in your bank account, um, and you and you project that out, that you're going to have trouble before spring comes. Uh, and so uh, I think that's a I think that's a scary but real possibility right now, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, there's always that inevitable, you know, fall slowdown uh, in uh, in sales. Uh, certainly, with the wild ride that the mortgage mortgage rates have been on. Uh, I don't see that getting any better. There was a report in Housing Wire earlier this week uh, where mortgage rates are headed. Fred, maybe you can jump in here. That said, they they mentioned uh, I couldn't find the the actual uh, meeting notes, but they they said that the bond auction for the ten year was not a very good day, uh, and the ten year rose ten year yield rose pretty sharply. Active listings uh, rose by only about four thousand listings. Mortgage rates to about an average of about 7.19%. Uh, purchase apps are down. So, you know, a lot of headwinds right now, Fred. Well, I, you know, I think I'll, I think that there was an expectation when rates started to spike in third and fourth quarter that we're going to see a lot of pain short term. And then sometime in 20, at the end of 23, maybe to 24, rates were going to come back down. Not, not to where they were, but they were going to come back down. There was a built-in expectation. And then uh, there was, as a result, a, a certain level of, of comfort in that expectation. Uh, mm-hmm. And what we're seeing is we're seeing an, er- an erosion of that, where perhaps we're really not, that that narrative isn't wasn't right, that we're going to see sustained higher rates for a longer period of time. And so when you're planning your shop around Hey, I can take pain for six months, maybe a year, maybe eighteen months, and perhaps we see a higher rate environment for two or two to three years. That's a very different dynamic. And I think what we're yeah. seeing is uh, what's interesting is just more recently, very recently, we're seeing the market react to that. The five year hit four forty one yesterday. Uh, if you look back on the chart, uh, the five year was at I think the last time the five year broke four forty was in October. Yeah. So if you look at the kind of the trend analysis on the kind of the, you know, where, where the five years been, we're kind of back to that. Wait a minute. Maybe the optimism isn't quite what we thought it was going to be. Uh, Fitch came out this morning or, or, or last night and said they're considering downgrading the banking sector and they're, and they're working through the, 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 the downgrading language right now as we speak. Now, just the commentary of that is because they see sustained there, there's as jack said the other side of the, there's people on the other side that are very vocal right now saying i think we actually are going to see some sustained pain and as a result we're going to downgrade the banks because their net interest margins will be tighter their volume their their pipelines will be smaller their their core customer base of quality borrowers will be a little bit challenged and uh, and we even saw it on mortgage rates. Mortgage, in the last two weeks, mortgage rate origination volume actually reversed, dropped. It had been it had been improving for most of the last sixty days up until about three four weeks ago. And now we're seeing you know we're seeing a little bit of a reversal there too. Well, I was taking a look at it uh, last night. It's sort of uh, core CPI, and that continues to rise slowly. But even with all of the uh, tightening 
that the Fed is trying to do right now to get inflation under under wraps. It's clear that uh, consumer the, the the CPI is still heading up, and then if you add uh, the food and energy sector in there, well, you know, I think I think by and large Americans are feeling it. Uh, and then when you add the fact that we've got the high interest rate, high mortgage rate environments, and 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 a, a massive reluctance uh, of existing home buyers to be putting putting their stuff on the market right now, it's just a tough time. But you know, I hate to be sort of doom and gloom, and I don't think that's what you guys are are suggesting here. What's the opportunity in all this, Fred? Is there one? Yeah, well, let's talk about let's well, talk, yeah, who who are the winners and who are the losers there? I think there's always winners and losers. Yeah, I, I, right. I, you know, it, it really, people are impatient and investors. So I, I heard this term the other day, FOMO, which is the uh, fear yeah. of, of, of missing, missing out. out. Uh, and it, and it creates this investor sentiment that they got to be in the game every day. Whereas as you see, you know, money, money is like water. It just moves directions based on where it needs to find itself. And if you look at, Anything that's interest rate sensitive, REIT stocks are being hammered right now. They're very interest rate sensitive. Bank stocks are being hammered right now again uh, for the same reason. And then my commentary about, about Fitch. There are times where you need to kind of take a step back, prepare yourself for the opportunity, as opposed to using the liquidity or the cash you have on hand. And I and I think this is one of those times where- well, how, you, So can you, you speak to that, Fred? Right like how- yeah, so if if I'm if I'm an operator and I'm trying to prepare right now, what am I doing? If you're an operator and you have four properties on the market to sell, sell some of them. Uh-huh. The, the the market the market's not likely to be better 30 days from now than it is today, and it's certainly worse today than it was 30 days ago. So if, if the liquidity is tight, uh, you know you got to put your ego aside. As a, as a real estate investor, entrepreneur, and say, hey, it's more important that I got some cash in the bank and I have less units on the market uh, so that I have that cash to take advantage of the opportunities that will come. There's no doubt opportunities are coming. Banks uh, are going to be, I believe, in a position come some point, whether it's end of, the, end of this year, into, into next year, where they're going to have to move some assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to we're going to see some distress. This could be So let me. So I got a call a few days ago from a guy in my mastermind, and he and this guy is uh, is a entrepreneur uh, who likes real estate. So he owns one of the chimney companies in Maryland, and uh, he he's got some cash, and he really is itching to put that cash into hard assets. And my my whole conjecture is. It's very difficult right now for a not for an operator to find a deal, much less a non-operator. So he's out there looking at houses, uh, retail, uh, trying to make the numbers work. But let's talk about like so. So what do you say to a guy like that who wants to put money in real estate right now? Do you do you hold that on the sidelines? Uh, are you are you really still looking for that needle in a haystack? Jack, you want to jump in? Yeah, like I don't have a, I don't, th- I'm not negative on Ameri- the American housing market overall. I'm very bullish on the Aver- American housing market over the long term. So for somebody who's allocating cash from a different operational business into 
an, al an alternative to the stock market makes a ton of sense to me. And I think that, and, and the idea of that person trying to time the market is next to impossible. And sure, so if they've got a bunch of cash burning their burning a hole in their pocket and they want to get a current return, and they're not super sensitive between whether it's a six and a half or seven or seven and a half cap, they just want exposure to American real estate. That's fine. What I'm more, what I'm concerned about is more the operator who this is their full time business. And they're riding this wave, like the, it's core to them, the, the, you know, how this wave breaks, if, when and if this wave breaks. And those folks, I feel like are in a much more precarious position. And so something that we're doing operationally is that we are. And the thing is, and I'm not I'm not exactly sure, like I, you know, I, I on any given day, I could go back and forth on it. But I do know that what will kill me is if I'm wrong and mortgage rates stay high and I start trailing the market down for the houses that I have on the market where I'm paying the carry on a vacant property. It's not income producing. And so I'm losing, right? I'm losing 10% a year of, you know, whether that's paying a hard money lender or, or at least opportunity cost of capital. So I, I know I'm losing a point a month in carry on that property. And if mortgage rates stay high, and I've got, uh, and I start to trail the market down. I'm going to rack up days on market, kind of cast a, a negative shadow that the property doesn't even deserve because the days on market stays high. We're being aggressive about price drops right now. So every two weeks, I'm dropping. I kind of don't unless there's like an active negotiation happening on happening with a buyer right now. We're moving pricing every two weeks to keep that property at the front of the uh, of of. Um, of buyer's agents uh, mind so that to the, the thin buyer's market that is out there, the, the folks who are still looking still. Uh, and by the way, you know, spring's over. We're about to school's about to start. We're about to hit Labor Day. And that is seasonally bad for showing activity and also for for pricing. And what I don't want to be doing is carrying this six months through the winter, carrying these properties six months through the winter with it, with that additional cash flow pressure. And if that's the case, the not having my cash in my pocket to be able to deploy into the opportunities that present themselves in January and February, um, that I'll be really kicking myself about, right? So I just don't think the upside of holding out for that, you know, for, for top of market pricing right now is worth the downside risk if you're wrong. And right now, I think you could flip a coin on that. And so, yeah. you know, there, there's an asymmetry there. And so when that's the case, the business decision makes itself, right? Don't take a ton of downside with limited upside. Don't expose yourself to a ton of downside with limited upside. Take your chips off the table, keep liquid, keep moving. Uh, and I think that that's the better play right now for the, for folks who are, who are flipping and don't want to catch that falling, who don't want to be exposed to catching that falling knife. Brad, anything there? Well, I think your question's very, it, it, it's the ultimate depends. You know, if you're, if you're investing, if you're actually going to put money into real estate, I, I agree that you can't time the market. I think the point is that imp buying improvements today are more important than they've been in a long time. So the cost of turnovers, the cost of renovating is higher. Cost of labor is higher right now. Rents, rents are one of the strong parts of the market. 
for sure. So if you're able to buy well or decently, you don't have to time the market. If you if you like the asset and you're buying into some improvements and you're investing, then I'm I agree with Jack's point. Uh, but from the standpoint of cash is king, equity is important. If you're putting equity and cash from another area into kind of re redeploying into into investment real estate, I think it's a good call. I think you'll get slightly better deals in the fall for that. Sure. But just directionally speaking, so if I had cash and I was want to you know time it from a swing investor perspective, I'd probably wait a little bit. But uh, that's only my my conjecture there. I think as a trader, which is what we kind of mix investing and trading in the same sentence. If you are in the business of buying, renovating, and selling, if you're in the business of wholesaling, uh, if it involves a lot of debt, then you, that that factor is more important right now. That carry cost is much higher, and the, with with a prolonged higher rate environment and a slippage of values, you can get caught. That's that's what I look out for. Something that I think that um, investors misunderstand in their forecasting and it's a human thing like i you know we do it um as well of course is the this idea that when we're when we're talking about hey the banks are you know there's going to be more opportunities in six months from now because liquidity is going to is is drying up and uh and so there's going to be folks who are just forced to sell at that point uh the we 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 do, we have that we do this bias in our head where we think about what our liquidity is today and the options that we have today and then we but then we transport ourselves into the future and we say hey with the money that i have today i'll be in great shape at that point you know 8 months from now and then but we'll, the the cognitive disconnect is that we don't re, re, like realize that like but we're going to go through that 8 months too and we're not going to be in this position in eight months. We're going to have fewer options. We're going to have. We're going to be looking at less, you know, a less profitable P and L for the year. The banking relationships that we have today. We're going to get some phone calls in between now and then, and they're going to tell us no, or we're out, or our LTC is fifteen points lower on the loan that we want to get. And we're not going to. The, the reason those opportunities are going to exist is because we're not going to be able to take advantage of them is because the landscape is go is going to look different for not just everybody else, but also for ourselves. And so we, we never, and then we, we get there and we're like, ah, like I did see this coming, but I didn't exactly think that through the right way and didn't set myself up to, to take advantage of it in quite the way that didn't, you know, didn't quite play out the way I, you know, I'd pictured it in my head. And that's often because we, we don't put ourselves put ourselves through the same trials and tribulations as we project upon what everybody else in the world is going to do. And so, um, like for example, you know, you, at some, you, you know, your, your, your liquidity is good today, but eight months from now, but, but, you know, and eight from eight months from now, there's going to be opportunities, but at the four month mark, your bank's going to call you out of the blue and say, Hey, I need you to pay that line of credit down. We're not renewing, we're not renewing your line of credit, or we're going to renew it at half, uh, you know, the half the exposure. And you never thought, you know, and, and you don't prepare for that. Um, and so you're running your business based off of today's variables, not based off of this, you know, this, this super stress test that you're putting uh, the whole rest of the world in, uh, in, in, your, in your mental forecasting. Uh, and 
And then, and then as a result, there are just a lot fewer people who are able to who, who actually have properly prepared for when those opportunities come. Uh, you know, I'm not suggesting that you need to like stockpile and hoard cash to, to take advantage of these opportunities because it could go the other way, too. But um, it's never as it's never as like just simple as, oh, I'll be the last man standing. Everyone thinks they're going to be the last man standing. And that's just not the way it goes. No. Yeah. Well, let's, well, let's talk, talk about, about the market a little bit, guys. I was uh, looking at this um, Altos report, uh, the housing report for July. Great video. It's in the show notes for today. Um, the uh, sort of some of the bullet points from this one are uh, inventory is up. Available inventory is up by about 1%. Uh, 10% fewer homes on the market year over year. Uh, there was a little bit of uh, that extra boost that we saw in demand between January to June appears to be fully diminished at this point. Uh, uh, new contracts, we were talking about this on uh, prior to the call, Fred, new contracts are down 11% year over year. And, and while I know, Jack, that uh, you know going back 12 months seems like a, a different time in history these days, uh, I think it's still uh, relevant. And then uh, the one that kind of blew me away was 35% uh, of homes are taking price reductions. It's about 50 uh, basis points a week, and that was that's weaker than this time last year. Fred, we were talking about the D.C. condo market, and uh, you know I know we have listeners all over the country, but D.C. has traditionally been a very strong market over the last several years. You can't ride around in D.C. without throwing a rock at a crane somewhere that's building some sort of housing. Um, what do you 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 were talking about the DC market prior to Fred? What are your thoughts there? Just sort of overall, as it pertains to sort of the overall market as well. Well, I mean, I think I think there are certain markets that are weaker than others. I think DCs had I think markets that have had uh, substantial change in in office occupancy, uh, and and in DC you have a lot of government workers who who uh, can work at home. Uh, there's a there's a there's a weakness in certain markets, but what kind of struck me is uh, the stat that um, that in Q1 of 2022, DC had 123 condo sales, and in the second quarter of 2023, it was 14, 83 percent drop in condo sales. Um, looking at it right now, it and it's I'm just looking at the overall stats. I won't read them all. But they're just so substantially off. And what's interesting I, I, is, go ahead, go ahead. To, to, the, to that point, that, I mean, that will vary around the country. I mean, condo sales, particularly, if you're a developer that's, that's going to develop into a condo market, you kind of really have to understand. And that's usually in major, major metros or, you know, or gateway cities. You have to be really careful what those stats actually look like. And understanding the data today, on a forward basis and really kind of looking at the trends now is, is just, it's more important that you understand where things are headed than kind of the, the bravado of where things were and how much money people made last, you know, last year at this time, 12 months is a very, not, not a long period of time in the course of most things, but man, it feels like five years, the last 12 Universe. months. Yeah, you know, as I travel around the country, I see no lack of luxury apartments, uh, Class A condos, in almost every major city that I'm in. 
And I've got to be thinking that all of those guys that they've got uh, coming online got to be quaking in their boots right now. Yeah, the the yeah. and the the condo yeah. markets, you know, boom and bust. But in when it, you know, generally speaking, it's more of a boom and bust you know, kind of uh, segment of the market. It's in, certainly not in the affordable segment, generally speaking, especially not in DC. Mm-hmm. The and people make a lot of money in 2019, 20, and 21 selling condos. The the problem is that they in 2021 were you know kept building condos and putting stuff into the pipeline, and those aren't six month duration deals. Those are 18, 24 month duration deals. And so the stuff that they put into the pipeline in 2021 and early 2022 even uh, is still in the pipeline. And now they're looking at the st- and they, they know it, right? Like if you're in that local market and you, you know, you're like, Hey, I got to just get out of this condo deal, but you're telling yourself a story that it's going to be okay when we get to UNO and like the market may have recovered by then. We'll see, you know, like there's a lot of stories being told in people's heads right now about how it's going to be okay when we finally get to UNO. And, um, and, but the reality is what, what Fred just illustrated that, you know, in certain segments of the market, the activity is down 80%. And so like that's, that's not going to go well. Now those people are also current on their mortgages and are not in foreclosure. They're continuing to move projects forward. We don't hear about them, right? Like there's a lot of stuff happening still operationally where people know that they're going to take a bath on something or, um, or hope that they, or just maybe, or maybe even they hope that they won't take a bath on something, but the reality is that they might, or they will. Um, but they're current on their mortgage because they're spending the money that they made in 2020 and 2021. So they're having an unprofitable year, but they're, but they haven't run out of cash dot, dot, dot yet. And the question is, you know, what is, what are mortgage rates going to look like in March of 2024 when this project hits, hits the market, if it's still 7%, 7.5%, well, it's going to be a freaking problem. Um, and that's the piece. And, but, but, but what are you supposed to do? Right? Like, you can't not pay the lender. You can't. You don't have the cash to take the lender out. You don't have enough equity to actually own this thing in 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 hundred percent equity. So you're forced to just continue, and frankly, pray that everything is a little bit better. And that stuff. That's the stuff that I'm concerned about. Is going to start. You know, now that the spring market here is over, we're going into this winter with a great deal of uncertainty, and the pressure hasn't been really relieved anywhere. Here's where I think we're going to start to hear more situations and scenarios pop up of, of people falling down and tri- tripping and falling down. Uh, and then we just haven't heard them before. The fundamental, you know, the, nothing changed. And that's the problem is that nothing changed. And eventually, like Fred said, people are not patient in their thinking. They always want to be, you know, what am I doing exactly right now? Um, but they don't, don't realize that the, the effects take time. Uh, and so making short-term decisions before some of these other factors have fully played themselves out. Sometimes you just need to wait and be patient until you see these, uh, situations play themselves out. And that's when the opportunities present themselves. I think there's going to be a lot of recapitalizations guys that, I think there's gonna be a lot of guys raising equity over the winter, um, because they're in, they're in trouble. And Let, let me add two thoughts to that, because I think they, I like the falling down comment because I think a lot of, a lot of investors think to a trigger of a foreclosure increase in, in, in inventory at the, at the courthouses, people that need to sell for whatever reason, they, they, they think that's the issue here. 
And right now we haven't seen it for a lot of reasons, whether that's just a lot of cash in the system and profits they're feeding off of. But also you got to look at it this way. There's two interesting headwinds here I want to put out there. What is just a year ago, the cost of financing was 30% less. In some cases, even more than that, 40% less. And if you are to get, whether it's a bank loan or a private private loan from a private lender, uh, 8% loans from a private lender a year ago, which is very common, maybe even seven, seven and a half, if it's a larger loan, is now 11, 12, 12 and a half. So what happens is on renewals, when, when if you aren't getting out of one of your deals, if you aren't being defensive to some degree, what you may not be looking at or understanding is that is that that loan renews, it's a very expensive renewal and the cost to carry starts to to gravitate much higher, which is just happening now. So really, in the, it's really been the last six months, but particularly the last few months, it's escalated. And that's just from the private lending side. On the bank side, it's interestingly actually a little different. It's the same, but different. What's different is that banks a year ago could not print enough CRE loans, you know, really real estate loans. Happy to do it. If you were a good borrower that could breathe the right direction, you, you got a real estate loan from a community bank at some rate that was reasonable just a year ago. Now banks are looking at, at renewals and saying, I have to reduce, forget about who they don't renew. They have to reduce their real estate book. They have to. Most banks have to shrink their exposure to rental real estate. Some of it's regulatory because their buckets are too full. Some are just from a risk exposure perspective. Yeah. And so they're going to can choose. Yeah, and by and by the way, Fred, to your to your point, and extent and and uh, right, like you know, lots of people don't file their their taxes on March fifteenth. Their their you know their LLC returns on March fifteenth. Yeah. They kick they kick the can until September, um, but that September fifteenth deadline, October fifteenth extension deadline is coming up, and then your bank's not asking, right? They're like, no, I need your tax returns. And then they give it to the analyst, and the analyst starts crunching the numbers, and they see that you actually didn't do that great in twenty twenty two. Uh, cause the second half of the year was tough and then they ask you for interim financials and now, and now they have a bunch more questions, right? We, we could, I think we could absolutely, absolutely start to see like banks over the winter are like dialing into these issues and starting to, to tight, tighten the screws. Whereas you haven't heard from them ever, right? They never, they never did this before, but the thing is, before the sales guy at the bank was 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 the running the show in loan committee, and now it's the CFO or the chief risk officer who's running the show in 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 loan committee, and they're asking a completely different set of questions and reevaluating the entire book of loans through a completely different lens, that of risk management, and with a much more conservative bent, and so that amazing loan officer relationship that you have, you know, you think about friendly Bill, well, Bill ain't in charge anymore. Uh, Susan's coming in and she doesn't give a shit about you other than you didn't make money in 2022 and you haven't made any money in the first six months of 2023 and you actually lost some and you we're you know we're we're actually just trying to get out of that uh, segment now and that's when those uncomfortable situations are going to happen with a much higher frequency over the course of the next six months they haven't happened at all and now they're going to start happening and they're happy with a much greater yeah that, that was uh, yeah that was my that, point is that naturally speaking we haven't seen it because it's it wouldn't have happened yet it's happening now i'll give you one more statement 
uh, Craig, is that I was looking at a couple of bank loans that I saw go through recently in the marketplace. So for plus 375 is commonly now the low end of what a bank will want, want to originate right now. Well, think about what that number is. So for 5.3. 375 gets you to 9.05. That's what a bank wants to lend money at. On the low end, if you're a high-quality borrower with a 10% deposit requirement and a lot a, a lot going for yourself and a lot of experience. Uh, was, uh, go ahead, Fred. Keep conversely, going. I saw a, the first time I saw a loan print from a bank at 10.10 this week. 10% from the bank. With a deposit requirement, with an interest reserve for on a development loan of 12 months, plus, 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 plus. You start applying that to renewals because that's what's happening as well. I'm just talking about new loans. It's the same criteria for a renewal of a 6% loan issued one year ago that's renewing sure. right now. So I say all that as a corollary to the point of thinking about opportunity, but you got to be defensive enough to take some cash to put it in the other bucket so that you're not, so you're not get you don't get chewed up by the renewal. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by cash in the other bucket? What does that mean? Well, if you don't, if you don't sell the property today that you think you, and you trail the market down and you force yourself to stay with the financing that's in place. And then you wake up one day and it has to be renewed because your banker is not your partner. That's also a misnomer when things go bad. The first thing that the investor wants to say is, hey, partner, guess what? I'm having a bad day. Things aren't selling. Uh, could you add the interest payments to the back of the loan? Could you, you know, do the following? And, you know, we're a private lender and I sit on the board of a bank uh, and the answers are typically the same. We're your lender. And there's a reason that we require you to have a lot of equity in this deal. So mm -hmm. it's something to be very wary about that you don't want to trail the market and find yourself in that position in that conversation. I tell you what, guys, uh, there was a great story in the National Association of Home Builders entitled a "Lending Standards Can Do to Tighten." Just sort of tying this up with a bow, and it's a very short one, so I'll just kind of read uh, some of the highlights here. It says, according to the Federal Reserve's board senior loan officer opinion survey for the second quarter of '23. Bank lending activity, um, that's what the, the report was. Banks reported that lending standards tightened for all residential and commercial real estate loan categories. It says a majority, 71% uh, of the banks tightened standards for construction and land development loans, while 63% tightened standards on loans secured by multifamily properties in the second quarter. Additionally, uh, roughly half of the respondents indicated weaker demand for these loans in the second quarter relative to the first quarter. Uh, they've got, um, it says here that uh, the net share of banks reporting weaker demand averaged about 40% in residential, which was actually an improvement over the fourth quarter of last year. I mean, everything was an improvement, so no shocker there. It, it you know, I think we've lived through this before. We've seen this before, this this increasing ratcheting up of uh, tightening criteria. And uh, I think you guys have spoken to that. Uh, anything you add to that, Fred? Actually, let, let me add something. But by the way, this is like, yeah, this is how the Fed works, right? Like this is all by design. Like the Fed printed a bunch of money 
injected a bunch of cash into the system, right, which created inflation. Now they need to get that cash and they need to pull it back off the table, right? They need to unprint it. The way they do that is by increasing the cost of banks' cost of capital so that the banks then pass it through to us. And we're now, so all that money that we got in 2021, we're now handing it back to the bank through a 10% interest rate. And the bank is then sending it to the Fed through a five plus percent interest rate that the, the Fed is charging the bank and that, that and then the bank doesn't reprint it. Right. Like so the, the, this is the physical mechanism of the bank raising raising interest rates. This is how the money gets unprinted is that we now have to give it back to them. So like and he told us he was going to do it right. Like he never like he's been saying this for for a year, you know, for a year and a half solid now. And it's just that we've never witnessed the physical mechanism of printing and unprinting money so quickly, so violently, right? In such a short period of time. But like, this is the physical mechanism of how the, of how the Fed, how the Fed pulls liquidity back out of the system. They are, we're about to start cutting those checks to the banks at 10% plus. And, and it, and that's how, that's it. It's back out of the system, right? That it will then disappear from the system. And, um, that's just, you know, that's how it works. It, it's actually very effective, right? It, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen very quickly. It took a while, but it's a very effective system. It does work. And a bit painful. And a bit painful, yeah. Well, it, and that was my point about the patience aspect, is that when, you're, when, when the fire's burning uh, and you've always kind of, kind of been around the fire, sometimes you got to just step out of it. Uh, not to say you should shut your shop down uh, I, we love the real estate business long term. We think there's phenomenal opportunity ultimately, but you can you can crash and burn though in the heart of the fire if you're not patient. And I think we got we got some headwinds we got to be very you know very concerned about you know to that extent. The Icarus effect, yes. Time for patience, uh, guys. I think we've uh, run the gamut on this one. Appreciate the conversation. I hope uh, those who are listening got a lot out of it. Don't forget we have show notes at realinvestorradio.com forward slash notes. You can check out the articles and, uh, and uh, news reports that uh, we cite here. Uh, Jack, thank you very much for the, for the time. Fred, thank you for your time as well. Great conversation. Absolutely enjoyed it. All right, we'll see you all on the week. next one.